Hey everybody, it's Jim Sark. Thanks for joining. I appreciate it. So it's been about a month or so since the last podcast in which Tom Patzelt and I talk about commercialization as an initiative within startup medical device companies versus commercialization being something you do 90 days before an FDA and uh, hand the hot potato, as Mike Moore said to the commercial leader and hope to God that he or she can make something of it. So with this, Tom and I are going into... Um, value propositions, the creation of those value propositions as part of that initiative, a part of that process, as you align the team, as you get buying into how the um, commercial execution strategy and alignment will come about. So um, with that, we're just going to get right into this podcast, except I just want to thank everybody for the well wishes and the prayers sent to our family as we went through that um, accident that my daughter had about six weeks ago, actually, today, yesterday, and she's doing remarkably well. She decided she wanted to go back to work and could not stand not being active. So you could probably tell she's my daughter. And I just want to thank everyone. And uh, without further ado, let's get at it. to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Sirk, and of course I have Tom Patzelt here with me as we continue down this um, new era of commercialization in med tech, med devices, and thinking about it as a complete initiative um, versus an event 90 days before a, uh, an FDA clearance. And, uh, and you know, we've, we've talked a lot in the last three, three podcasts. Tom, you want to review those three, the last three podcasts we did just to bring everybody up to speed? Yeah, sure, Jim. So um, I think the whole thing starts, we, we talked about in the first one, is the importance of having a dedicated initiative to this. So we want to have 12 months before launch, you got to have some people who are not trying to complete getting the uh, FDA clearance done. Um, you got to have people who are dedicated working on this with the goal of having day one sales uh, be very effective and successful. And so we talked about that and the rationale for it and kind of why. And then we talked about, you know, um, diving into qualitative research to better understand uh, what's the, basically who the key stakeholders are, why they're going to buy the product, um, what the profile looks like, what's important to them, problems they have, et cetera. Um, and so the, the third part we talked about is driving alignment within the company. So uh, it's very important that the information gets shared um, among the different stakeholders, this information that's gathered to begin to drive a common point of view within the company. And so it sort of sets the table to, to begin to get everyone into this focus point, um, which is kind of brings us where we are today about our next step of developing the value propositions. Yeah. So, so you know, when you look at it is the first thing you need to do is get the company to understand that commercialization is an initiative, just like it, an initiative to get FDA clearance, right? That it's not an afterthought. It's not, oh, just hire somebody you know, that um, it's going to come in at, at, from a sales perspective and, you know, the, they'll just 
they'll just make it happen. Mike Moore just put something out on LinkedIn um, where he was talking, uh, I, I can't remember the consulting firm that put it out, that 70-75% of sales leaders in a startup only last 18 months. Think about that. And, and, I, and I don't go, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. I go, yeah, of course. Because they, they treated commercialization as an event you do, you know, 90 days or, you know, right at an FDA clearance and just say these things and you go sell the product and then they go get the crap kicked out of them and sales reps turn over. And so the VP of the sales leaves after 18 months because, you know, he or she has gotten the crap kicked out of them as well. And so um, I find that, you know, so this initiative is truly an initiative and, a, and something that needs to be absorbed by the organization as, a, as something as important as FDA clearance. And then, you know, your research into qualitative, like who we're selling it to and why, and then making sure the entire organization is aligned around these factors, right? So that everybody's on board, so there's no finger pointing, you know, oh, sales isn't doing this, or marketing's not doing that, or blah, blah, blah. It's one team one strategy, one execution that they're going to go after. And so I think it's important to think about it holistically like that. And then we get into the value props because that's what comes after this, right? And Tom, talk a, talk a little bit, you know, when we, before we get to the value props and we're going through this, you know, commercialization as an initiative, qualitative research, driving alignment, how do we get to the value props? Well, I think that's the key here. It's so, you know, just kind of do a fast rewind, building on what you said about hiring, um, you know, hire a sales leader 90 days before launch and then having them go out. So the way most people are figuring out value propositions is through trial and error sales calls where they're just going out and, and uh, over a period of months, uh, having having reps call on people and they begin to discern, well, this is where we're getting traction and, and these are the people that seem most interested. And obviously that's uh, that process just costs you dearly on the sales ramp. Right. So really the key uh, 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 to really, I guess the game changer in my mind on that is the qualitative research because that's the whole purpose uh, of, of it is to figure out Again, who's going to buy your product and why? And not like in a at a real high level like orthopedic surgeons, you know? Right. It's got to be in a much more specific, actionable way such that a rep would would get a picture in their mind's eye of, I, I know exactly the type of doc you're talking about, right? And and this is all part of informing them about what the what the concerns are of these of these uh very, the physicians and the other people involved in the multi-headed buyer process. Um, so what we're trying to do is figure out who those people are. Uh, we're trying to figure out who the ones are who, that we think are really going to have the swing on the purchase decision. You know, what are their aspirations? What are the problems getting in the way of that? How do we, uh, what is the impact of what's, uh, of those problems on them? Um, what a solution might look like? And then, you know, how our product can solve that. So really the, the work that you're doing in the, in the qualitative research is exactly aligned with getting the answers you need to do the value prop. So 
for me, the value proposition work, um, you know, it's something that just flows so naturally from the qualitative Correct. research that that it's just a it, it takes something that is that company companies struggle with for a long time and really ends up, you know, negatively affecting their their revenue build when the reality is you can get 80 percent of right with this work that you do beforehand. And again, we're not saying that, you know, I could hear people say, well, Tom, you know, when the sales reps are going to start calling, they're going to learn things. Absolutely agree. You know, our goal, again, is to get it 80 percent right so that those initial conversations, most of them are productive. And from there, now we're going to get the detailed learning that's going to allow us to hone and refine it. Yeah. And the, and that's exactly what, what you said, though, is it naturally flows. So for you and I, we've been doing this, you know, for for a long time. And um, a, a lot of it is unnatural for people to think about um, in this process, this initiative, you know, that you and I have worked together on for, for years and and beforehand, but it's really understanding that you're coming out of this qualitative initiative. You have corporate alignment, first off, right? Everybody understands mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. Now you do this qualitative um, assessment, um, research, and now you bring everybody back together, right? Exactly. And you bring everybody back into a room, right? You, you get marketing, you have sales, you have um, R&D, product development, and even clinical or medical affairs because you'll find out that, hey, do you have any, you know, clinical proof that this actually works? And, right. Right. And, and you'll say to the, you know, the clinical team, hey, they really want some clinical um, data on this more than a 510K approval, you know. And so, um, so you, you, bring, you bring the folks back in, you bring the team in and you remind them, hey, remember we agreed about this process this initiative and we're all aligned to work together. So we did this qualitative research and this is what we've learned. And now I'm going to take a, not a step back, but a, a sideways step here, but we're going to frame it in a, what is the clinical value? What is the financial value? And what is the strategic value to the doctor, the patient, the practice, the facility and the healthcare system and align that research to what we learned Right, so that it matches that funnel. So that funnel, that that clinical, financial, strategic funnel. You consider it a funnel as you're dropping the product through the top of the funnel, and you have to answer the clinical questions, the financial, and the strategic questions. Um, so when it when it falls out of that, then you align it with what you learned through the qualitative research. And then you start aligning it because you will have people that said, obviously, are going to talk about the clinical. Well, tell me the clinical benefits to the patient, to the doctor, the healthcare system. What are the financial benefits? It's not always making money. It's, it could be saving money, making money. It could be for the, for the patient that the patient is actually going to have a lower out-of-pocket cost because of this procedure. So anyways, that's where you bring everybody in and you start walking through that and it's not, you know, a three-hour process. It could it could take, you know, weeks to get done until you get that alignment and start sharing ideas. Um, thoughts on that, Tom? No, I think it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. To your point, it just seems like a very logical flow, you know. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we know that for disruptive products, customers are going to buy based on value. 
and you know that's been documented um, challenger sale any number of different uh, sales processes talk about the importance of value so um, I mean you think about it this is this is exactly what they need and so we're just putting the, putting this together um, so that we then have our story um, and and now we can put that into a sales talk track we're getting ahead of ourselves but you know, once you understand the value proposition, you can easily put that in there and build the questions you need to surface it, um, et cetera. But it, it, it really just starts with making sure you understand how you're going to bring value to them in those three categories. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, kind of working it. Yeah. And the, and the interesting thing is, is that when you start down this road of clinical and you have the product development team in and We've seen this, right? So the founder of the company, right? The 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 VP of R and D, you know, product development folks, you know, whether it's on the marketing team or whatever, you know, you you present to them, hey, this is what we, this is who we think the customer is, and this is the clinical value that they're looking for. You will get disagreement because the the product development team have wrapped their arms around this product for the last five to 10 years, right? And they have built this product based on what they thought the clinical need was. Now, it doesn't mean that they're wrong, right? I'm not saying that, but they're going to learn something new from this. And, um, and then you're looking for you don't want to build consensus building. I shared this once when I was with Advanced Bionics with the product development team. I said we cannot, we cannot just go to a consensus building process because then we're building mediocrity, right? I don't want to make everybody happy in this room just to make everybody happy because we're just going to be mediocre. We have to challenge each other. We have to say, no, I just don't agree with you. But at the end of the day, we have to walk out of the room with these clinical values and for the multi-headed customer and, and work through this together to understand and also understand we could be wrong, right? But at least we're in a better position than we were if we would have just launched this product and went out there and got all this feedback and then scrambled after we have 20, 30 reps out in the field, you know, um, you know, dying every day. So I think that's really important to understand this process. It's not only you're, you're extracting the value based on the qualitative research, but then sharing it back with the team and then having the team share back and understand it's a very – it's not a contentious process. It should never be because you set it up – in the beginning to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And now we're doing it. But no, I disagree with you, you know, senior VP of product development, because 80% of the customers that we talked to, potential customers, said this. And um, that creates a very dynamic conversation that leads to really good things. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're. this is the whole point of if you didn't do the research and you got in that room, and then you're going to have the game of what does an elephant look like where everybody's blindfolded. Yes. And, and so everybody's going to be passionate and they're going to, they're coming from their truth. But when you go and do the research, you get this common information. And, and like you said, it's not like, it's not, <laughs> we don't want to misrepresent this. I mean, there's, you're still going to have to make judgment calls in the group. Sure. And, and to your point at the end of the day, you know, the commercial team is the one that's going to get, you know, kicked out the door if things don't go well. So in my view, 
you know, you don't want me designing circuits, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, when it comes to this, you got to kind of trust the people you hired for their expertise to do that. And, sure. And you got to make a final call. But I think you're going to be ridiculously more aligned than if you didn't do this. Well, and, that, that's it. That's it. Right. And so you get, and so you get a lot closer. Um, you know, one thing, Jim, I want to add to this, just since we're talking about value propositions and, and we spend a lot of time talking about the, the positives of, you know, the clinical financial strategic value. I think one of the things that's important, especially when you're in these group sessions, is to make sure you're talking about what is the cost that they're going to have to bear. And not, not, and I'm not solely thinking about the price, but I'm thinking when you have a disruptive product, there's always going to be a cost there um, of changing habits, you know, doing things a different way. Um, you're going to have to facilitate that. And I think companies um, can very easily underestimate those intangible costs, but they're very powerful, as we know, and, and they're going to greatly influence the strategy that we develop when we start talking about the go-to-market you know, strategy down the line. But I think it's really important that that, that is understood and articulated at this point. And uh, so, you know, an example is, hey, you know, if you've been doing a certain, like, I'll just go back to our, our experience, um, you know, in, in Telus Medical, where um, we were trying to drive an enormous change. So there's an enormous sort of cognitive cost for the people involved, which is say, I want you to go take the patients you've formerly been operating on asleep and treat them awake in your office. And, and, and so that has a transformational effect on the physician, their staff, everyone. Right. And all of this, these costs, this is stuff that you, we want to make sure we document so that we develop strategies to address that. So, yeah, so we're talking about that, right, with Intellis. Um, I, I think that's a great point. And I think so many, you know, white papers can probably be written about the Intellis adventure. Um, that we that we all experienced, but that piece about the office, right? Uh-huh. If if Intellis took um, the time to go understand what it would take to have gotten the product into the office prior to a commercial launch, or even prior to well, because really it was the Express product that that drove that before hiring twenty or thirty sales reps to go out and start selling that product was to take 60, 90 days, you know, which is was hard to do at the time. It's easy for me to say now, but you've got money and you're burning it. And so, um, but to have gone out for 60, 90 days to truly understand what it was going to take to get an office to adopt an in-office procedure with an awake patient, you, you would have, after if you would have done that research, you would have said, everybody, we need to take a step back here, right? Because our sales process is going to be long. Right. Yep. It's going to be long because it's not just the doc we're selling to. It's the it's you got to get through that receptionist, and that receptionist needs to be sold to on the value for the practice, and then you're going to get to the office manager, the schedule, the biller, the MAs, the PAs, before you even get to the doctor. And people have said to me, right? I re- I'll just remember going through the the acquisition process. Like, what are you talking about selling to, to the office? What, what do you mean selling to the office manager? You just go to the doctor. The doctor makes all the decisions. I'm like, not in that office. They don't, right? They spend yeah. more time with their family, I mean, with their office family than they do with their actual family. And if their office family is irritated, 
and they, they and they're irritating that doc. They will cut you out, right? Because they don't need yep. it, right? If you would have learned that the the process to product adoption would have, if you would have taken three months to four months, step back and have done that, then hire your reps. Right. Your product adoption would have increased by eighty percent. Yeah, because you would have known exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, there's really just no substitute for for learning about a market you know, before you begin developing the strategies and the tactics for it. And, and the cost in this case, so a great example is one of the costs that those physicians had to pay is, do I really want to have a revolt in my office? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're live, you know, they're just thinking, oh my gosh, if I'm going to, you know, put this in place, I'm going to have, and, you know, people can say, well, sure, the doctor could, could decree it, but then now you've got all the, you know, basically passive aggressive behavior. People aren't really on board. So it's just it's it's like in every case, you know, you've got to when you have a multi-headed buyer, you've got to cultivate all the, you know, key influencers who are involved in that. Yep. And, and you better and you better have it done before you go before you engage the decision maker. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the first thing they're going to do is ask their influencers. And if they don't know anything about it their reflexive response is going to be, this sounds like new, new work for me. Or, exactly. Or I have to learn, you know, I don't want to do it. Yeah, so. exactly. No. And that's the cost. The cost is too, I'm going to have to buy equipment, right? So you're talking yeah. actual financial costs, right? You're talking costs about, I have to change my schedule, right? I mean, there were Correct. so many things that there was a cost to that end user. Now there was obviously benefits, you know, to that, but you had, if you just would have taken right. the time to understand that, we would have gone into that marketplace with, um, you know, with that high-level consultative approach. Not selling, but, hey, this is how it works. This is what you do. This is how we're going to make it happen and make everybody at ease. Because those that did it the best, the office went to the doctor and said, you've got to talk to this sales rep. Because they have something that's right. so great. Right? And, exactly. And your sales was done by then. You, know? you just right. had to teach the clinical aspects of it. Obviously, there was more to it, but you were so much farther down the road. But um, go well, ahead. I was just going to say, you know, the, the, from the outside, anybody would look at the Intellis story and say that's a wild success story, right? And, and truthfully, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the company had an IPO and a over $600 million acquisition. And it, by any measure, it was really successful. But the reality is this. You and I look at that and we're like, you know what? We could have got to that place faster. Correct. If we if we had done some of this stuff differently, a hundred percent. You just got to keep learning, and right, you, yeah. you you do stuff, you learn, and 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 you move on. But I I think you know now it's just, I mean, you apply the lessons, the good and the bad, all the time. Right. Well, it's just like you know Jeff Greiner. He's a was a CEO of Advanced Bionics. CEO of Valencia Technologies today is that he would say, Jim, we're just an accumulation of our life experiences, right? And you can't accumulate that knowledge until you have life experiences, right? And so as we go through our life, it's unfortunate that, you know, we're the smartest person, you know, that we ever could be when we're on our deathbed, right? You just wish you knew that stuff when you were 30. That's why we're doing these podcasts, right? Is we're sharing this information with the audience and whoever wants to learn to say, learn from, you know, our failures as well as from the successes that we've seen because we've seen it um, and experienced it. And 
to your point, Tom, I think is just brilliant. And Telus would have been much more successful um, if we knew this stuff before going into it. I think that's a very profound statement. And now we know, right? So now it's like, okay, now we know what we have to do beforehand. Um, you, you know, when you talk about this cost thing too, I think it's something um, to think about is I, I read a, a post on LinkedIn by Dr. Dasa, D-A-S-A, and he talks about medical devices and, um, you know, the decisions that doctors have to make with their partnership with their hospitals uh, systems that they're in. And he talks about there's only so much room on our plate to be able to ask for things like it's I only have so many more bullets in my gun you know, arrows in my quiver to be able to get what I need. You guys better come to me with incredible value for me to adopt your product. And that's what this process is about, right? It's about looking at this because just from a, a, a market environment, you better go deep on these value props. You better do that qualitative research. So those value props are very meaningful for doctors to pull out one of their bullets or their arrows to say, okay, I'm going to shoot it for you. So yeah. put it in that perspective. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not, um, if you can't somehow connect your product to, you know, whatever burning platform is in front of them, they're not going to talk to you. Right. It's just as simple as that. So, so understanding what those are and being able to, you know, in the sales process, engage and find that, you know, demonstrate that you have that uh, awareness of what they are thinking about, which builds your credibility. And then to begin to connect, um, you know, how, how our product can potentially uh, address the problems that they've got. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think we've, uh, we've nailed the value prop piece because it is just an extension of the process, right? And I think that's what people, you know, the audience listening to this is that these are not silos that we talk about, you know, commercialization as an initiative, qualitative research, you know, driving alignment, and then value props. This is a holistic process. And understanding when we're talking also about these value props, this isn't a one-and-done meeting, right? Because you will get pushback on from from folks in the audience saying hey I'd really like to learn more about this can you go talk to those some other doctors to f- go a little deeper so that I have buy in to what you're doing and I and I agree with that and so just to understand that this isn't you know a linear line this is an algorithmic you know formula to get to the best right right and I th- yeah. and I think Tom that's that's how I want to end this podcast anything else you want to share no nope. no nope? okay nope. I think this is the shortest podcast we ever had. <laughs> so, well, sometimes things flow, and hopefully, we got everything out that yeah the audience will find valuable on this and in, in our in our quick quicker than normal prod podcast. Yep. So, all good stuff. All right. Well, Medical Sales Nation, um, thanks again for listening, and until next time, good luck selling.